Welcome to the Cooper Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from Sweet Recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. You know, people, if you have a podcast, a video cast, uh, some remote shooting, a book on tape, hell, if you need a studio built, Sweet Recording's a place for you. Joe Gangemi, the producer of the show, and also he runs Sweet Recording, and he's a great guy. He'll give you a great deal, and he's honest. So check him out at Sweet Recording, S-U-I-T-E, recording.com, or email him at hello at sweetrecording.com. Anyway, we have a great show today. You know, it's funny. Sometimes things happen for a reason. And so the other day I had a guest cancel and all of a sudden I get an email and a gentleman who's in my networking group says, hey, I'd love to be on your show. And it was perfect timing. And now I just found out he's from my wife's hometown and he runs uh, he runs Chefs for Seniors and it's Ron Ternari. How you doing, Ron? Hey, Steve. How are you, bud? Thanks for having me. No problem. Yeah. Now to get started, you know, because I've actually... We've been in networking events, but we've never actually talked to each other. This is like our this is like a one on one. Our first time. First time. Yeah. Now, just tell me and the listeners exactly what Chefs for Seniors is. Uh, sure. So, Chefs for Seniors is a national franchise, um, and basically, we cook for seniors, veterans, people with disabilities. We cook them healthy, delicious, affordable meals. Um, so, this was started just about six years ago out in Wisconsin uh, by the, the founders Nathan and Barrett. Uh, their father and son. Uh, the father had a couple restaurants out in Wisconsin. And uh, the story goes, he was making some food, bringing it to his, uh, I think his, his mother-in-law. And um, her friends were saying, hey, you know, we can use some meals. And he thought about seniors, how they're on the verge. Some of them are on the verge of malnutrition. They need help, how, how it's hard for them to get out. And obviously this is before COVID. And so uh, they started a business called Chefs for Seniors out in Wisconsin. And then um, uh, the son, who took a business, it was a business major out in Wisconsin, uh, took this to a, uh, a VC, and um, and that's how they got started with the franchise. Helped them invest in a franchise. I was the fourth franchise five years ago. I'm in my fifth year. There's a hundred, about a hundred of us now throughout the country. So um, uh, me, Boston, uh, I think it was Central Jersey, another guy up there. We were we were the core. Uh, first franchises. And so we were like just doing it, you know, we were, you know, um, learning, you know, the marketing part of it. I come from, from corporate. I worked for got 20 years or so with Marriott, Starwood Hotels. So all I knew was volume, you know, cooking for five, six, seven, eight thousand people a day, you know, running different restaurants. So I'm like, how hard could it be just to cook for one to two people? Cause that's what we do. We cook for one to two people at a time. And it was actually complicated, you know, getting the, the right ingredients just to make enough for one meal uh, for these people. And so this thing has grown now. Um, we have uh, franchises uh, we've scaled. So different companies now want to partner up with us, like insurance companies, to get us on policies to help seniors. Um, I'm doing a little bit more now with veterans. Uh, it's another group that's kind of just like not getting the, the care quality care they need. And a lot of it is food. Um, so uh, COVID forced me to get a kitchen. So, you know, we were shut down and the core of our business is cooking in our client's home. So when COVID happened, we we're like, okay, oh shit, what are we going to do? You know? So my clients were like, I, we still need food. Luckily I, I was already a good two years in the business. So I had a, a core set of clients and um so I said, I don't know. You know, I can't cook in my home. You're not allowed to do that. So I found a ghost kitchen, and I have a ghost kitchen in Mount Holly. Uh, and so that's where we run all of our deliveries out of. So we're there cooking every single day, plus cooking out in the field. And we're still cooking for people in their homes. 
Um, it's turning more into a delivery service, which, you know, uh, the founders aren't too happy about it. But New Jersey, we got hit pretty hard here with COVID. And I don't offer that I uh, tell people that I do delivery when they're calling and inquiring about the business. But if I feel I'm going to lose the sale because, hey, do you deliver mom and dad? Just don't want somebody in the house. I'm like, no, no, I can do it for you. So um, my business has flipped where it was 100 percent cooking in people's homes and now 80 percent cooking in my kitchen and um, you going out. So, you know, I still like going into people's homes because that's the, the main part of this is that companion care. We're cooking for your mom and dad or, you know, a disabled person. They get to hang out with us. It takes us just about two hours to cook for that person. And within that two-hour period, they're going to get around 14 meals, so 14 containers of food. They get to customize their, their, their meals to their dietary needs, so if they're diabetic, heart-friendly diet, whatever it is. So I don't carry any inventory. I shop the day of for them. So we just go get those ingredients. They choose if they want us to cook in the home or delivery, and then they get some good meals. They get those 14 meals. I would say most of my clients use me every two to three weeks, if not monthly. Now, how – how bad is the hunger situation? You said people were malnutritious. I mean, you know, it's something we don't talk about. And, you know, I, mean, I grew up in Cherry Hill and mm -hmm. we always had food on the table. And, and going through networking events, I've, I've seen people like the Cherry Hill Food Bank, you know, and there's times me and my wife would just go to the Dollar Tree. But you have to be smart. Like, you're not going to get them a box of mac and cheese because they don't have milk they, and butter. They can't cook. They can't cook. But yeah. for mm -hmm. someone who is out there, and, and I'm sure you talk to a lot of people, how bad is the food uh, situation and, and hunger that you see is—is is it as bad as we think it is? It is, you know, it is, and it, and after doing this for five years, my second year into it, when when I first started this business, it was all about all right, you know, my first second year, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm going to make all this money and and do that, and then I realized. Um, the hurt that's out there people you know you, you, you're not i'm not exaggerating when say starving or malnourished and it, it doesn't have to do with race money because i i just i was just hired for a couple that lives in cherry hill at one of the high rises over there um i can't say too much about them but by just looking at them the one guy was a, do a retired doctor. I'm like, yeah, hey, they got some money. And they're like, look, we can only afford this once a month. You know, open up their refrigerator when we do our initial consultation. And there it is. The same thing I see all the time. Progresso soups, some pre-made foods from local grocery stores that are just loaded with sodium. They can't, you know, they can't customize them like they can with us. Um, you know, bread, you know, just, just stuff that's not healthy for them. And then all the elements they have on top of that, Alzheimer's, dementia, heart problems, diabetes. And, you know, I always get, it was like, where have you been? You know, like this, this service is great for seniors. But it, it's it's bad. And, and what I think it is, our society is so, I don't even know what the word is to say for it, but it's, it's like you go, it's, we're so abundant. We have everything, you know. And then I see with my certain clients at a certain age, they're either starting to get, I don't want to use the word neglected or forgotten about with from family. You know, I look at me, I'm 59, my mom's 85. Thank God that I have another brother that lives in the area. I have another brother that lives in West Virginia. And my mom lives right here in the area. But we're always on top of her, taking care of her and stuff like that. And and then I go to these consultations and, you know, people are calling me. And I'm like, well, where's where's your kids or your husband? Well, my husband passed away. My kids are busy. They're out. You know, they're living their lives and stuff like that. So it's like that forgotten. Uh, 
and, per person. It's just like, and I want to interrupt you. What's funny is that because we're the same age, and our parents, like my father, he's passed, but they're the uh, they're too stubborn. They come from a generation yep. where you, you don't you don't want to ask proud. for help, even they're, though yeah, yeah. proud exactly, mm-hmm. and they're stubborn. So they sit there and they don't want to ask when as kids we would help them out, but they think they're it's that mind mindset that no, you know we're. Where are the parents? Yep. You know, and that's 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 it's amazing. And and it is, and and so it's funny. The the people that mostly give me resistance to hire me for service is the senior. So the caregiver will call me, the son or daughter, um, whatever it would be, a grandchild. Say, hey, mom needs your ser- to service. The v- first pushback is, oh, I don't want you paying for that for me. I don't need this. And they're like. You know, I, I had a consult. I have consultations every day. I had an interesting one with a lady yesterday, and I love these kind because she reached out to me like a year ago, and it was you know it was like uh, it's a little too much money. I don't you know I don't know if I can afford it, and and I, I try to break it down to them. I'm like, what are you spending a week or a month on groceries? You know, and then on top of that, you still got a meal prep for your mom and dad because that's what most of these people are doing. And after I break it down and show them the savings, you're, they're saving money on it. And I said, and then it gives you that peace of mind that somebody's there, meaning we go into the home, if we're cooking in the house, you know, we I smell for gas. I smell, I look, make sure like, you know, there's, the house is safe. I've walked into some pretty, pretty devastating situations, you know, in the past few years I've been in business. You know, I had to call the police a few times for a well check and found my client laying on the floor. You know, again, I'm dealing with, with seniors and people with disabilities and veterans. And um, and so it, it's like they're so sensitive. I have a disabled daughter. I don't know if I shared that with you. So I think that helps me with understanding the compassionate side of this because it became more about helping and i know it's a cliche than money like yeah i'm making we're making money we're doing good but um i mean i get text like sunday night two in the morning <laughs> hey ron i just had your sh- your stuff shells thanks so much you know it's you know a long-term client and i you know i just look i'm like okay you know i'm like they had something to eat they were hungry there's so many times where i go to a consultation and it's just like you know, I am so hungry and they're going to the food banks or they're going to the pantries and, you know, they, they get their, their once a month check and and uh, they order from Instacart and they get whatever groceries they can. And it's kind of like what you said. They get things like macaroni and cheese and bag chicken to make it stretch it out. And um, so, you know, we're, I think we're doing a really good service for helping these people. Half my battles is getting known. Still five years into it. You know, I have my vehicle that's wrapped with my logo, and I still get every time when I'm parked at the grocery store, where you been? I haven't never heard of you. And, and I, I mark it at the, at the ass. I'm like, you know, we're everywhere. So I'm doing a um, – with Mitch, you know, with the uh, – doing the uh, Jam Loop, you know, s- streaming commercials. I'm doing Facebook stuff and then organic stuff, things like this with you. And – um you know, once we touch that right person, um, you know, we get we get to help them and everything. But it's that that one point is getting known, and I'm at a point right now with my with my business where I'm having a hard time finding and keeping employees. Uh, COVID just it just messed up this uh, that twenty to thirty year old thirty five year old generation. Uh, they don't they don't want to work or they want they just want to you know work when they want to work, not my hours. So I try to be flexible that way. And um, it's very strange. We're both the same age. So I grew up like, you know, cutting grass at like 12 years old, paper route and all that. And a grandfather was like, get out there and work. 
you know, get out there and work. And, and now it's just like, you know, I have to be careful the people I hire because, you know, we're cooking uh, special meals for people, meaning, you know, special ingredients. So it's not just making a meatloaf, mashed potatoes and string beans. We might be making like 15 mashed potatoes and string bean dinners in one day and every one of them is is different with ingredients. So if if one of my cooks is in a mood, which we call it in the culinary world, you know, they might forget to add or take it not or put something in that they shouldn't that the people are allergic to. Our clients fill out a very extensive food questionnaire form so they get, you know, what they need and everything. But um yeah, the whole food food thing, food um it's it's just it's just amazing because you know we walk into our grocery stores. There's so much food. Why are people starving? Yeah, you and know? you know what's also <laughs> funny is 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 the health part because I know I had congestive heart failure uh, 11 years ago and I had to cut down oh, wow. my sodium. I yeah. had to cut the sodium down. You know, and I was sitting there. I was in the hospital for three days and I, you know, I was living on a before that I was you know happy hour food. You know, just <laughs> the entertainment. I would lived in Hollywood. That's that's what you did. But what I learned was I became someone who was very conscious on salt because salt makes you bloat and you know mm-hmm. that yep. and it's not good for you. And people, you know, like well, they, when you see a Subway commercial, they used to say it's so many grams of fat, but they never say how much sodium it is. Like P.F. Chang's, like <laughs> one of their soups is like the most sodium in the day. And I always laugh because I, I, I get the heart healthy, you know, and I, or I get, you know, if I use canned diced tomatoes, I get with no salt added. Right. And then I add Italian seasoning, garlic powder, you know, and so I, I spice it up. But people don't notice it. Like they'll grab a, a Campbell chunky soup and it will say, oh, 800 milligrams of sodium. Yeah, it's just so Campbell's chunky salt. But yeah, but, no, it's one, <laughs> yeah. but, then they, but, but the thing is they don't read, it's two servings. And I've never seen anybody sit there and just eat Half, Half a can of soup. So it's very important you do that. Now I want to find out about how'd you get into cooking? Because you said you went to Votech, but Votech, isn't that more of a technical school or is that a cooking school? So they had culinary there, but I didn't take culinary. But but I got into cooking, and it's a long story, both my grandmother. So um, grandmom, grandpa, come from an Italian family. So back in the day, my brothers would be out when we go to grandmom's house every Sunday out playing hockey or football. I was with my grandmother on the stool helping her cook dinner. She taught me all the secrets of how to, you know, cut cut garlic, you know, different blends of this. She left me a cookbook that's just thick, you know, of just um, all her recipes and stuff like that. Um, and as she, she taught me to cook, she just told me the joy that she got with cooking for like my grandfather, her family when they lived in Italy and stuff like that. And um, I just fell in love with it, you know, and, and so – you know, going through growing up, I would be like, "Hey, mom!" So my, you know, uh, my mom raised me, and my brothers. Her dad skipped out on us, so she was working three jobs. And I'm like, "I'll make dinner, even if it was hot dogs or peanut butter and jelly." But I'd be like all happy making the peanut butter and jelly and cooking it, you know. And so then high school came, and um, I had that choice to go to Burlington City High School or, or Votech, and so I chose Votech. But I actually went to uh, electrical construction. <laughs> I was going to be, I want to be an electrician. My goal was to be a lineman, work for PSE&G, uh, but I never knew I was scared of heights. Right. So so that, that wasn't going to work out. But you have to take your first year, you have to take three different shops. And so one was culinary. And back then in the 70s, the culinary class was meant for people with disabilities. So that and horticulture. I'm like, oh, I really want to be in that class, but... Uh, first of all, even though even though I wanted to be in it, they wouldn't let you in it because it was meant for people with disabilities. And I'm like, this is crazy. So 
anyway, I continued to cook. I, I, I took electrical construction. And um, so just continued to cook with my, um, you know, my grandma until she passed away. And, um, you know, just wonder what I'm going to do in my life and everything. And so I had an offer. Somebody called me and said there was an opening at uh, Starwood Hotels over in Philadelphia. It's called the Triplex. And uh, so it's a, an aloft uh, four points and a Sheraton Suites right, right at the airport. So I didn't really know what I was getting into. I didn't know too much about um, uh, uh, Starwood Hotels at the time, how big they were and all the different brands. But announced to me that I was able to work for those three brands and I was hired as a culinary supervisor. And I actually lied on the on the application saying I had all this experience with management and I didn't. But the chef hired me anyway and I just kind of kind of kind of winged it. And he luckily for me, he was a lazy chef, didn't want to go to any of the meetings. Uh, so they're executive meetings. So executive chef, executive housekeeping, executive engineering all went to these weekly meetings. And I got to learn about the finance part. So RevPAR, which is room room revenue, things like that, EBITDA, all these things about the hotel business and finance, where my GM took me under his wing and said, do you want to take a class that they offer called uh, Six Sigma? And uh, so I did that. And you get belts in it. So I, I got a green belt. And so basically it's, it's, um, I don't want to get all deep and everything with you, but it's, just, it's, it's, it's about making the process, whatever it is, easier and more effective. So, uh, this, uh, this Six Sigma thing came, I think it came from Motorola, the camera company. So when the cameras came down on the conveyor belt, how many times were these cameras have to be touched until they actually put a camera together? And so whenever this was happened, it took like 23 touches to make one camera. So they came up with this system called Six Sigma. Um, and it came down with, they knocked it down to 12 touches. And and so it, it works with um, things that, that are uh, like like a line. Think like the kitchen a line. You have, a, you have your grill chef, you have your sous chef, you have your garmage, which is like makes your salads and all that. So you have a line of people. And I don't know if you've ever been in the back of the kitchen. Oh, I just say no real quick. Yeah. I, when I was... Uh, in college, I went down the shore at uh, Avalon, and there was a restaurant in Stone Harbor called Teresa Martin's. Yeah, and yeah. I, I uh, with Larry Boylan, who was a who at the time was a waiter at Lebec Finn, but then he bought this. So I went, and I was just looking for a dishwasher job. I was in college, I don't, you know, it's a summer, you know, I just want to drink and get laid and have fun. <laughs> and he said, I want to be the maitre d. So the assistant chef was going to Johnson and Wales. He made him the head chef, and he goes, Do you want to? Jump back here. So I, I, that's where I learned to cook. So I'm very familiar. So you get the with, line thing. Yeah, yeah. So I get the, and I worked in corporate restaurant marketing. And so I, I know I've been a waiter. I know. So, so you get it. Yeah. It's, it's a process. And it, it's, you know, and you have to, you have to run a tight ship. It has to be quick because if one person dies, the whole, the whole, the whole ship. Yeah. And that's what the whole Six Sigma thing is about. So, so each, each guy, each chef had to prep their ingredients for their own station. Uh, you know, so the grill guy cut all of his, whatever the special was, cut his own chicken, every ingredients that went into, say, a chicken Marcella dish. And so we would say, being a hotel in the airport, we never knew. We didn't take reservations. We never knew what our what our dining room would be like. How we made most of that the business in that, in that particular hotel was airlines that were delayed. So at any given moment, the front desk would call and say, "Hey, we got a, an airline with 140 people. They get a they get a uh, certificate for a free meal. 
and because the, the plane's delayed and they send them over to our hotels at one time, bam, 140 people. So I learned after so many times, at least prep for double that. You know, we can always use the food for specials and other things. We had banquets going on, stuff like that. So, but like you said, what happens is one person skips something, it, it it's like the whole line starts to collapse. And, you know, I still remember this one guy, he just hated cutting tomatoes, but he had to prep tomatoes for a salad. He was the garmage guy, which was salads and fried foods and stuff. And he was always stealing tomatoes from the next guy next to him, which made, you know, the whole thing uh, just fall apart. So anyway, you know, they saw... Um, potential in me, I guess, as GM and offered me to to take this class. And then I just fell in love with it. And then I got to travel. I was, I, I worked in Disney um, for Starwood Hotel. So they have a hotel down there called the Swan and Dolphin. And um, so Disney, you know, you think Disney, Mickey Mouse, all that vicious, you know, just the, the oh, kitchens course. and everything back there. But um, and then I ended up in Boston, which I loved. And so um, I'm speeding up throughout my career. But before I started Chefs for Seniors franchise, I was in Boston, worked at the uh, Sheraton in the Back Bay. It's the largest non-gaming hotel in the country. So 1,200 rooms, 1,250 rooms. So at any given day, you're cooking for at least 2,400 people. And so they did all the banquets and events for uh, MIT and Harvard and all that. So at any given day, we were doing banquets for up to five to nine thousand people. Now, mm-hmm. now, what were you? Were you overseeing this time, or were you? Were you like the? Were you behind the line working, or were you just overseeing everything at this? So point? I, my, I was an executive sous chef, and so my title was I was in charge of two outlets: so a a, um, a, di- a dinner restaurant, and then a breakfast lunch uh, outlet, room service, and a full service Starbucks. So all the Sheratons, I don't know if you've ever been to a Sheraton, they all have a full-service Starbucks in them. So all the sandwiches that Starbucks makes when you go to a Starbucks, you know, it gets shipped in from, from, from you know, like U.S. Foods or something like that. In the Sheratons, at least at that time, we made the kit, the, the hotel made all that food. So I was, I had 32 guys under me. So for, for the restaurants, uh, room service, I was in charge of all that. And um, so then banquets, which I was just telling you about, that was on the third floor of this hotel. You see these hotels. It was the size of two football fields, this kitchen. So for banquets. So, you know, temperature controlled for garmage, for all the cold foods that they had to do. And I mean, we were cooking 20, 30 gallons of soup, you know, in any given day. So massive, massive. I mean, my budget was uh, $60 million a year. So being that I did the Six Sigma thing, I was able to work in procurement. So I was able to purchase, which all, who knew that would all help me now with my business, you know? So I'm like, I just loved it out there in Boston. And I said, I'm not going to go back to Jersey anymore. I mean, I came back because my ex-wife and kids lived here, my daughter. But um, so my daughter took a little turn back around five, six years ago, meaning I had to, I had to come back here. And um, it was a big pay cut to, to come back into a Philadelphia um, hotel, whether it be from Marriott or Starwood, Hilton, whatever. Why was it a big pay cut? Just because that Boston one was such a big Yeah, big... so once you get uh, New York and, and, and Boston, you're making pretty good money. Then if you get into resorts, no matter where a resort is, you're making, um, you're making more money in a resort, like a golf resort. Or like, I don't know if you ever heard of, um, it's called um, Living Easy. It's the Living Easy brand with Starwood. So these were like villas, homes almost like not like a timeshare but it was a hotel but you had your own maitre d your own chef 
and stuff like that. So, and there there are places like Aruba and all over the place, but Starwood and Marriott own these kind of places. Um, so, and then when you get in this area, Philly, Maryland, um, it's just there's just you know a, an executive chef here or in Boston uh, was making you know almost triple what somebody down here would make. Um, and then once you start getting into D.C. and Florida with all the resorts and then, you know, out west, it it, it changes. But uh, between uh, Princeton and D.C., there's no money, at least in, in, the, in the hotel for culinary. I mean, you know, some people are happy with it. When I say no money, I was used to making pretty good money. It, it might be 70000 80000 as an executive chef. Um Boston, it's 120 plus they start giving you bonuses and things like that. So, but what do I do? I had to come back home. Right. So, so, so you come back home and, and, and so is that, did you just said screw this? And that's when you started chefs? Yep. Yep. So I came back and, um, obviously I didn't have a place to, to live. I didn't, you know, so I found a place in Morristown and that's where I met my girlfriend, who's my partner in this business. Uh, old Victorian home in Morristown. Her mom owned it, and I rented an apartment in there. That's how we met. And I, I did work for a little bit at the Philadelphia Sheraton again. It was just, but I just wasn't happy. Chefs for Seniors found me on LinkedIn and said, Hey, we're trying to sell some franchises. This is what we are. They had two, two franchises. Um, the initial investment was doable. And, um, Cammy had my back, my girlfriend, and she was just like, it's just amazing how I've noticed throughout the years to have a good, whatever, a wife or a girlfriend or something like that behind you that has your dreams. Like she, through all these failures and everything that I've had, she's right there with me and then through all the good stuff too, you know. But um, yeah, so I needed to be closer to my to my daughter. And so what do I do? Instead of making less money, I go to zero. You know, because the business was, you know, was I didn't have any clients, but I, I knew me, and I and I believed in the in the in the chefs for seniors, you know, in our motto, you know, uh, improving seniors' lives through food. That's our motto, and I'm like, All right, I could do this, and I just knew me. I'm like, ah, I could probably be making a million dollars in a couple of years, and that that, that doesn't happen, <laughs> you know. So, so when <laughs> when you start, when you start, and you said you can do this, how do you start getting your clients? Because it's like it's and this is, you know, now there's all like the, the you see commercials for green meal and all this stuff, and yeah. you know, and that stuff's loaded with sodium anyway. I'm not, no offense to you people, my friends, and you should get that whatever <laughs> basket or this. And there's all these plans, but how do you start when, first of all, seniors tend to be skeptical, mm -hmm. and we just we talked about the general, they're skeptical. Oh, yeah. you know, if I knew that, so how did you, how did you sit there and start? getting clients what did, what did you do what was your what was your method well the the very first thing that helped me was it was a franchise so they already had all those programs in place meaning marketing with facebook um they you know in, in our startup package was you know all the marketing our brochures our cards and stuff but how i got my first clients was just i started going to places i went to the jcc and cherry hill saying this is what i do like this is interesting because they make meals every day for seniors that come there, but some people, some seniors can't get there for whatever reason. They don't drive, they just or they're not mobile, and they're like, um, "Can we? We'll refer some people to you." And I still have. So that was January fifteenth of two thousand eighteen was my first day. On the twentieth, I had my first client, and it was only because I went. I just went there. I don't know how I picked it. I'm like, I just we we did a demographic study. 
um, with my territory, which is Burlington, Camden, Kent, basically all of South Jersey now. But, you know, whereas most of the seniors in Camden County need help, and it was Cherry Hill. So I'm like, let me go there to the JCC. And they um, referred a, 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 a daughter uh, called me and said, hey, my mom and dad, what's this, what do you do? So I explained it to them. I still cook for them now. Five years later, I still cook for them now. And um, so now it's evolved into this marketing. You know, I'm, I just do Facebook. I spend a lot of money on Facebook. And everybody, be honest with you, I'm not blowing smoke, but everybody now that, that I've hired is through your networking group. You know, so Mitch and then uh, I use Brent and Jen um, for my marketing for all my Facebook. And so it saves me time. Like I can do all that, but it's like I'd rather be out there doing things like this. I do presentations at 55 and over communities. I do stuff for like we just have a we have we had a senior expo in Pittman last week. You know, I have my booth set up and stuff like that. Um, but between doing that and constantly churning through employees, you know, I'm, it's like it's like pushing a boulder up a sl- an icy slope. I'm get I get there and then I go right back down again. So, you know, as you know, talking to many many entrepreneurs, it's it's not for the weary. There's many times I've laid in bed and said I could just go back to the hotels and screw it. You know, but then but then you do that and you're just not happy. And nope. and that's the thing. You know, you sit there. I mean, I've talked to people and, and you've been in the restaurant business and I've told people. You know, when I was in LA and I waited tables, and there's something that you know. I always tell people, you don't know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck and, mm-hmm. and, and waking up in the middle of the night and go, holy shit, you know, what what if I what if I don't make this money? Even though you usually do. Yeah. Yet, but, but it's that dwelling. Yeah. And, and, and people don't understand that. And it's so bad for people. And that's why I sit there, you know, when there's so many people in the business world who are full of shit. Yeah. You go to an event, they go, oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah. When you know they're not. Mm-hmm. And if they would just say, holy shit, I'm scared. You're going to help them because most people, I don't care who you are, have gone through that the self-doubt, yep. that moment of just like, because you know, and, and you know, for me, I still, and you you weren't front of the house, but if you talk to any past waiter, server, food server, <laughs> we all still have the waiter dream. I haven't waited tables in 20 years. Right. And it's where you sit there and you you keep people, they keep sitting people and sitting people in your <laughs> in your area and you're you're trying to fill it. And then some old lady's like, I need tea. So yeah. you don't you don't have that tea. And then and it, so the restaurant business, you know, back in house, it stays with people. But I also think people who work have worked in the restaurant people are some of the best employees, because excuse the language, but there's some tough motherfuckers. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, you know when the line goes down, you got the general manager yelling at you or yeah. or and people are bitching in the servers, oh, you know. It, so it's it's very important, I think, when that people understand, you know, what it's like being an entrepreneur, it's it's not easy. Mm-mm. You know, it's not all you know. There's not a venture capitalist throwing you money. No, nope. and you have doubt. And and how do you deal with the doubt? Like what what is it mentally? Like you know, because I've woken up in the middle of the night, you know, oh my god, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And then I just learn try to focus it out. But how do you deal with that? And what keeps you going? Yeah, you know, and that's it's that's more recent than than ever because in the beginning uh, it was it was like I'll use this analogy. I follow this guy. Um, some people might know him on Instagram called Alex Ramosi. I don't know if you ever heard of them. So anyway, he's um, he owned a company called Jim Launch uh, when he was in his twenties, and um, so it's going back to 2015. And um, so he's like a product, an entrepreneur prodigy, like just a marketing whiz. And so he started these 
he started one gym, turned into six, and he had a, a gift where he could he, – he didn't like the training part. He was a trainer, but he had a gift of getting people in and, and signing up for his gym. So he started this thing called Gym Launch where he went around the country to gyms, and his deal was whatever I get in your door today, I keep, and then they get to keep you know, the, 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 um, the, uh, the people that are hired. He started making – I think he was doing probably about eighty to ninety thousand dollars a month doing that. Anyway, long story short, now he has a company called Acquisition.com, where he helps small businesses who acquire them to help you to get to three million, to ten million, to thirty million, and beyond. And he shares his philosophy, and is, and this is kind of like what helped me get through some really just tough things where I'm like, I just want to give it up. But it's like if you can master the in-between like think of like a, a racehorse or some kind of a marathon when the gun goes off you're or before that gun goes off you're ready to run and then you can't wait to do what hit the finish line but if you can master the in-between all the bullshit all the failures and just keep on going not thinking about the finish line because in his his mind his philosophy is the finish line to him is death so I just want to keep on going, you know, and, and so it keeps moving that bar higher and higher. So he's got these really interesting podcasts that I listen to and all the stuff that he does is either 99 cents, like his, his things on TV, his books and stuff um, are free almost. All his classes are free. So I'm constantly, it drives my girlfriend crazy. I said, guess what Alex Ramosi said today? You know, she's like, why? <laughs> you know, but it's like you have to find that mentor, first of all, and then um, when I joined your group, I joined it once a few years ago. I just didn't have the time to go, you know. And remember, I reached out to you like, you know, a year ago. I was, I was like, hey, well, can I try it again? And so that time I had the employee in, in place. I had the time and I was coming every Thursday. And then now here I am again. I'm missing them because I'm cooking and doing other things. But it's it's just that thing. You got to be able to stand in the shit, you know, and, and take all the incoming but and but in the back of your mind, I know I'm helping people. I know something's going to be better. It's a it's sense of like um, you know like I I just know something's going to happen. Like really believing it. I don't want to get deep into that whole thoughts or things thing. But I've seen things in 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 this business that happened to me. Oh well, we'll just use you as an example. You know I'm like. When I was sitting in front of the thing, I said, I, I need to get out there and do a couple more things at the RVN TV or you. Let me just email Steve. I said, because we were talking. You're like, hey, you should tell your story. Well, somebody canceled, and here I am. And it's funny because <laughs> I'm, I'm changing the format of this in three weeks. So it's, uh, but no, it's interesting. Now, now you're getting out more. And uh, what do you, you know, you're one of these people when it comes to your product. It's like I, I had coffee with this guy the other day who's a uh, sells heating. Air conditioning and heating units. Mm -hmm. Everybody can be a possible client. Everybody. And for you, everybody can be a possible client because everybody has parents or everyone mm -hmm. gets older. And, you know, we don't have to think about it. And one of your things is you're one of those people, you're not going to get the instant deal, but you plant a seed. Right. What do you like about when you go networking? I mean, because, you know, I always want to find out what people like about networking and what they hate about networking. But what what have you got to like about networking? Because one, you also have you walk in with a chef jacket, so people are going to talk to you. Yep. I mean, because I don't know anyone 
Who doesn't like food? Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons I wear the jacket all the time, even on the weekends. So first- Yeah, I saw him on the beach. (laughs) He was in a Speedo in the jacket. It it brings attention, (laughs) especially at the grocery store. But, you know, I started doing these networking things. And so I'll go back to that Alex Ramosi. He says, he goes, you know- um, He's talked about masterminds and networking, and and it's all about the giving and not the getting and all that kind of stuff. But I'm there to learn, so um, just listen, you know. And and then I've noticed people start it when we go into the breakout rooms. People kind of, I, I guess, because of the chef jacket and and it's kind of a unique business. We're in the breakout rooms, so like Ron, like so exactly what do you do? So I get to talk about it, but you know, you just I listen to other people. What can they bring? To not just not me, but my clients, you know, and uh, and things like that. So, um, I enjoy listening to people that are very successful, how they got there, um, and then people that are s- struggling and how are they coping with it. So, but like you said, you got to weed through the bu- you got to weed through the bullshit, you know, and and stuff like that. Uh, I have to say, the two groups I belong to, you and Kurt, um, it's a good a good group of people, and I've made some really good friends on top of just networking. Um, so, I mean, you know, what I get out of it is, it's, it's like, you know, you can't expect, you know, miracles right away. You know, it's just, it's like, it's like that, it's that race in between, you know, and my grandfather used to say, um, so he was in printing, he, he owned his own printing company and he just knew everybody. Like Frank, I remember Frank Rizzo back in the day talking to my grandfather and he's like, he goes, he goes contacts. He was like, contacts are Contacts or contracts. He goes, they're like keys on the chain for you. He goes, like make friends, be loyal, don't lie, don't steal, and all that, all that stuff that you're taught. He goes, but I mean, he had a business. You know, there was no Facebook, there was nothing. You know, it was just all word of mouth. It was a little business in Haddon Heights. He did uh, wedding invitation, business cards, and things like that. I'll tell you a funny story if we have time, but. One of his first business was, and I won't say the guy's name, but he owned a very uh, well-known uh, grocery tr- chain that's still around. Well, the guy used to push a cart back in the day in front of my grandfather's house in Camden when he lived in Camden, fruits and veggies and stuff. My grandfather would go buy all the tomatoes and garlic he could because my grandma was making gravy, sauce, tomato sauce. And so he's like, hey, Vince, to my grandfather, he goes, if you can make me some cards or some 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 kind of flyer I could put on my cart – I'll give you free tomatoes, you know, the bartering system. So they did that, you know, and they did that for the longest time. Uh, and then I remember the first time I went into this grocery store with my grandfather in Cherry Hill. He's He goes, you want something to eat? I'm like, no, he goes, get some grapes. I'm like, whatever. So we're eating grapes. My grandfather had a banana. And then here in the background, Vincent, you fucking asshole. So it was this guy. So apparently – the deal ended where he had to pay my grandfather for for the business cards, and he never did. And this was going back to like 1960. This <laughs> these guys were still fighting, you know, over that. But so this guy who owns this grocery chain that's still around now, my grandfather's is, is, is deceased, but we're very successful without all the all the internet stuff. But the networking is what what made them the friends following up. My grandfather would like just print up like birthday cards. For all of his friends, you know, if it was their wife's birthday, go hand deliver them, stuff like that. So I try to make sure that, you know, in the the, um, the software system I use for my clients, if so-and-so's birthday is coming up, they get it. 
they get a card. Um, and with my clients, it's weird. Some of them open up emails, some of them don't. So I'll mail it or hand it to them when I'm delivering the food. And um, man, what a difference it makes. Like, Ron, you you remember it? I'm like, yeah, I remembered. It is important. It's funny on Facebook. I always I always wish everybody a happy birthday. Now, now the thing is though, and I've cut my friends down, but because of my entertainment area, I I had to whittle down for five thousand. And I have people I don't even know. But I always, if I can, I always make an effort just to write happy birthday. Yep. If I do it on my phone, it's in it's in the it's in my auto dial. Yep. But and a lot of people don't say thank you, but a lot of people say thank you. Yeah. And it's a matter of and it's only that little thing, but that sets you apart. It's just a certain little thing that can set you apart that can people can go, Oh wow. Yep. You know, thank you. So now what do you not like about networking? Um, I think it's just and I have a um in yours and Kurt's, I haven't ran into much of it. It's just the bullshit, you know. And but I've been in a part of a few of them in the five years. Um, but before this, before my chefs or seniors business, there was a middle job that I did. So I took a sabbatical and I worked for a, a high end hors d'oeuvre company out of Boston, and I sold high end hors d'oeuvres to um, restaurants, hotels, uh, high end country clubs. So I was a manufacturer's rep. And I had to go to do all the food shows and like New York City, but I had to go to networking events. And um, it was just like everybody, you know, like you said, you, you, yeah, yeah. He goes, you know, we just hired, uh, um, or we just got all these new clients or whatever it is, and we're we just got these awards like a James Beard Award or something like that. Stars, stuff that you know you can you can just look up and say that they're bullshitting, but uh, that's I just hated that. It was just people like. Making themselves something out that they, that they weren't, you know. Sometimes I caught myself doing it, like saying, "Yeah, I'm doing really good." Where inside, I'm, I knew I wasn't. I think it's a man thing. I don't know. It's it's our ego, you know. But recently, after taking some some of these courses, I keep going back to this guy Alex Ramosi. Ever heard of Grant Cardone? So, I don't. I don't. I don't know I, any of this. So I so I got into all this stuff because well, I was lost and I was like you know, with the marketing and the networking and all. And so I just started searching uh, gurus or, <clears throat> you know, different coaches. And so these national guys came up that are, you know, they make money that, you know, I mean, they all got jets and all that. But they got there somehow. You know what I'm saying? And, and I always say like Anthony Robbins, okay? Yeah. He he mm -hmm. is in the comedy world, we call him a hack because mm -hmm. he's never original idea. But he's a marketing genius because he pulled all these ideas. No one ever knows what he did before. Yep. I know I know he says I was sitting eating, you know, in the shower. Like <laughs> but no one knows. Yep. But the thing is, but that's that's the people you like to do because there's someone they may be full of shit, mm -hmm. but they're doing something right. And exactly. that's the difference. You know, there's people who are full of shit and aren't doing anything. But these guys, yep. they and they've learned how to do it. And that's what you want to do a yeah. lot of times. As long as you know they're honest and good people. What I found find out found out, I guess in the past couple of years is consistency. Just don't give up. You know, keep on doing it. if you really believe in it. I have to say I'm very happy. Um, and then the freedom that I have, you know, when I worked in the hotels, I had to be there at a certain time. I had, you know, my boss, I had to do certain things. I still have that with this business, but the only person I really have to answer to is me, obviously my clients. But I mean, you know, if I need to take off to go do something with my, my daughter or take my mom to a doctor appointment, I can. But, you know, I know what's going on in my business and I know what needs to be done. It was amazing a few years ago. I was just I needed to make a certain amount of money um, for, for some marketing, and I was like, 
I could just do it. You know, I just found out if I raise, I raise a couple, uh, I raise my prices, and then I went to some long-term clients and said to them, you know, so my clients pay per service. So if I cook for you today, it would be two hundred sixty dollars. You know, so most of my clients use me every two to three weeks, or if not monthly. So I went to a few long-term clients I've been cooking for for at least three years or more. Hey, if you want to pay for a year up front, I'll cut you this deal, and then. So I went to three people and I got $15,000 in a day. So that helped me with my, you know, with the, so the marketing I needed to do. So that creative thinking, it was like, you can't do that if you got a regular job. You got to go get another job, you know, to, you know, or another side hustle. So with this, I can get creative if I need, you know, um, some extra money or need to get creative with taking some time off or something like that. That's what I'm looking forward to someday soon is, uh, so I have a love for New Hampshire and Vermont. I worked out there for a little bit when I, you know, obviously when I was in Boston, but I have friends that live in New Hampshire and, uh, me and Cammy, my girlfriend, we're trying to get out there. I just want to take a couple weeks. Uh, we have a place where we go. It's in Lyme, New Hampshire, right outside of like Dartmouth college area. Just beautiful. We just want to go. But right now, five years into it, I still can't take that week. I'm still an employee, you know, in my business. So I got to get there. One final question. Where where do you want to take this business in the next five years? Where I mean, where do you see it? Are you someone who goes, I want to really scale it up in a five year, sell it and get out? Or what what is what is your goal? I mean, and not in a perfect world goal. Yeah. I mean, in, in realistically and what you see realistically, where do you want to take it? Yeah. So it's funny. I, I've been thinking about that because, like I said, I just turned 59, April 1st, and I don't want to keep working this hard for the next five years. You know, so if I can get it to the number where I need to get it at, I want to look for a person younger that's hungry in the culinary world because I only see this franchise growing more and more. I mean, the the possibilities of different partnerships with different insurance companies, different home health care companies that can partner up um, is is starting to happen for them. Um, I, you know, you know, I want to be able, I would have been retired by now if I still stayed with Starwood or Marriott. So, you know, I was there for so long, but I don't want to be working as hard in another five years. So if I can get it to that point, which I think I can find somebody and sell it, and um, let them take take it over. Um, I have a, another little side business. I, I don't know if I shared with you. So I, I have another franchise called Juice Plus Health and Wellness. So it's, uh, you know, um, shakes, protein shakes, things like that. So that's kind of like my passive income. So I sell that too. I have a couple, you know, website. I do uh, speaking engagements at like 55 Nerva communities. Now I'm combining the two because the food and, and then the health and wellness thing. So it's, it's bars, you know, protein bars, protein shakes and things like that. Um, so one of my customers, uh, turned me on to it. So I was cooking for them. They're both in their eighties and just started this business. <laughs> that's, that's the way to do yeah. it. So I want to thank you. Now, how, how can, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Ron? Sure. man. So easy. Give me a call. 856-308-0310, chefsforseniors.com. So you can go right to the to the main website, go to locations and the drop down box. You just find South Jersey and here I am. So, but the easiest way is to give me a call. Uh, like I said, the 856-308-0310. You get a free consultation and um, we'll get you some great meals. See people, we should do a jingle instead of cars for kids. We should do chefs for seniors. <laughs> That's what we need. We need a jingle. So people, uh, definitely definitely look into it. If you have, if you have any uh, seniors, get them eating. You have to eat healthy, man, because I know from the past, and I'm not a senior, I'm not near it, but 
you eat too much salt, you eat crappy, your body's going to drop off and then you don't want to do that. So check Ron out. Also, people, I want to thank Joe Ganjemi, producer of this great show. You can email me, uh, thecooptank at yahoo.com. Find past episodes at thecooptank.podbean.com or on Spotify, Amazon Music, or iHeartRadio. Check out my other podcast, coopertalk.net. I have over 950 episodes. And every Friday and Saturday at 8.30 p.m., you can find me on rvntelevision.com where I have the biggest uh, comedians and musicians from the area. So I'm Steve Cooper. This is The Coop Tank, and I'll see you guys next week.